Hello and welcome to the Animation Club podcast. This is a Q&A featuring Justin Rash. Please note that these Q&As were recorded across 2020 and 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Goodbye for now. So welcome again, Animation Club, to uh, another Q&A. You've got a double bill today, you lucky people. Um, so, <laughs> so today we've got Justin... Um, sorry, I meant to ask this beforehand. Is it Justin Rash? Yeah, that's close enough. Rash. Rash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Rash uh, is a director, artist, animator, and um, I don't know how to word it. I don't know if it says where to say it. Um, you do a lot of reference footage stuff. Sure, yeah, like acting or stunts yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Stunts and things, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, well, yeah, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, um, okay. and then we can ask some questions. Of Sure. Hey, everybody. Uh, Justin, animator. I've been doing it for about 25 years uh, in all three mediums. So I, I started in 2D animation back in the 90s, uh, early 90s, I guess, is when I went to art school. And around the mid-90s, I graduated, and the computer kind of took over the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I got into computer animation. I started uh, working for a video game company called Konami. And through that, I basically became a computer animator. I was traditionally trained, uh, so that background was really special at that time because a lot of the people that were into computers at the very beginning of computer animation were more technical and less artistic. So that in itself made me something special, right? I was able to bring something to the computer that wasn't as common. Uh, About halfway through my career, since I've been animating 25 years, I started doing stop motion animation. Uh, And the stop motion was because uh, I got tired of computers. And what I mean by that is when I was a kid, I was into physical artwork. I was into, you know, drawing, sculpting, like things like that I wanted to do was like Harryhausen monsters, right? I wanted to do uh, special effects for movies. So when I went to art school, I actually went to art school to be a special effects artist. That's what I wanted to do when I graduated. So since that was kind of dying after Jurassic Park came out, um, I uh, went with the computer because I saw that as the future. But halfway through my career, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired of everything being on this box. I want to do real artwork again. I decided to make a short film uh, in stop motion and I completely fell in love. And my whole family started uh, working together because it's such an inclusive medium where everyone can kind of help out on a set or props or, you know, anything. It's movie making, right? So since then, I've been working professionally in stop motion as well. And uh, it's the most fun artistically that I've ever had in my life. So I still do CG animation. And right now I work for a video game company called Blizzard Animation uh, or Blizzard Entertainment. But I work for Blizzard Animation, which does kind of the storytelling cinematics for all of their games. But I also work on uh, occasional stop motion stuff. And I'm always creating stuff in my garage uh, for social media and uh, short films that me and my family work on. And it's, it, uh, I love it. Fantastic. I think you covered some of the first question I would have asked of how you got into animation in there. But um, yeah, uh, so sorry, I'm thinking where to begin. I'll, I'll just I, could, I could still answer that. I mean, monster okay. movies, right? Yeah. 
I grew up on the, you know, in the late or mid seventies to the eighties and mm. movies at that time period were, I think really think really special. Mm. And the, the practical effects that were happening in that period of time were just so cool. And um, puppetry, animatronics, stop motion. Like there was a lot of really, really cool, uh, you know, map paintings, everything, Star Wars, from Star Wars to The Thing, to Back to the Future, Jaws, whatever it was, there was some really incredible uh, effects going on. And I, I was just amazed by that stuff. So I would read my Fangoria's and my Starlog magazines. And these are magazines to all you young guys uh, because there was no internet. And that was the only way you could kind of get a peek into how this stuff was created back then. Uh, so it was really special, uh, and um, you know, and me and my brother would draw and try to make films and do stuff like that, and uh, hope someday that we could get to Hollywood to make movies or something. And and now you get to do that kind of thing as a job is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Did you make that uh, the dinosaur that's behind you? Did you make that one? This dinosaur, I did not make. I, this year, uh, doing um, collaborations with hmm. a bunch of of uh, other artists online because social media is like this new cool thing. And uh, this is a, a Mexican stop motion artist named Eduardo Oropesa mm. uh, from T-Rex Productions. And he made this for me uh, to animate. And uh, so I'm working with like this whole year, a bunch of different uh, artists all over uh, to kind of bring a bunch of their puppets to life uh, through social media. So this one was made for me. I saw the, what you said about that, I saw the gizmo, the Mogwai. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, that's my, that's another one. That is Michelle yeah. Mello mm. uh, on Instagram. Uh, an amazing puppet maker. She works at, uh, right now, on Wendell and Wild, which is Henry Selleck's newest film. And uh, yeah, we hooked up online and she made that gremlin for me. And now, you know, one of the things, like I said, I'm kind of going back to is like with this dinosaur, this is a lot more realistic than the stuff I've been doing usually, which is cartoony. Mm -hmm. um, the gizmo is another kind of more realistic uh, character. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested in mixing uh, stop motion with live action. So that's another little goal I'm chasing this year is is trying to put some of my modern stop motion skills into kind of a classic effects film. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that's one of the things I'm doing. That's really awesome. I liked the, I've seen the animation with the T-Rex uh, and you yeah. were animated with your daughter, weren't you? On that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mogwai looks fantastic. I mean, I, I don't know if the full animation's there, but I've seen a clip. Pieces, with, yeah, I've seen- lapse. Yeah, just little sharing uh, yeah. shots from it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I finished the uh, the last shot in my test series for the Mogwai mm. um, just just last week. I just have to put it all together and edit, and then I'll share it with the with the world. Fantastic. I um I really like that you're looking at doing that, creating using that sort of original way of creating the special effects or visual yeah. effects. Um, four things. That's the kind of thing I'd love to. But I'd love to have a go at. I at some point I think I will try. <laughs> but it's uh, it's the yeah it's the kind of thing that I, I've always thought about doing that kind of thing. It's nice to see it being done. Yeah, you know because some of the stuff in the old days, I, you know, Phil Tippett. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, was the stop motion animator of the '80s, right? 
he, uh, he, you had Harryhausen all through the sixties, basically right up to clash of the Titans was like 81 or something like that, 1980. And then Phil Tippett really started, uh, taking the mantle and there were other stop motion people out there. Not very many, let me two or three, but, but his work was really special and his work on like the Robocops, you know, like willow like you name it like there's so many amazing pieces that he did during that time that that were really dynamic and powerful howard the duck he did a bunch of like big monster stuff that really had weight and it really you know like he did the tauntauns and star wars and the ad ads and empire strikes back like i'm sorry not tauntaun and both of those were in empire strikes back but like a lot of the big, really, really cool stop motion from that period was done by him. And uh, yeah, so so I'm really amazed and excited to be able to pretend I'm like those guys, you know, uh, here in my later age. Well, you never know; it might come back as a yeah, as a thing of choice. I mean, with the new latest Star Wars films, they did more of the animatronic puppet stuff. Yep. To try yep. and go back to the original feel of it. Yeah. And they might do that again. And Yeah. I, I mean, the perfect, I'm definitely doing that. I'm going to try my best to, I'm, I have a film that I want to make mm. in classic stop motion mixed with, uh, with, you know, modern uh, or live action footage. Mm. And it definitely is uh, doable and doable. Well, like nowadays with the tools we have, and I have, I've been animating a long time. I know I can pull off some really cool stuff. And there's something really special about real, real lights, real, even when the animation isn't as amazing as like the CG uh, animation can be sometimes. There's something really uh, special about having real, something you know is real versus sometimes it looks like a cartoon, mm-hmm. you know, and as awesome as the animation is, I know it's not real and I can disconnect. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about exploring that. And, and that combination, I think a lot of the people that grew up when we grew up, or I did at least in, the, in that time period, loved practical effects, right? So they're kind of reintroducing it to film and television these days in that perfect way, which is using CG when you need to or when it's really good and tasteful, uh, and then using practical in certain other situations that really connect you to the characters. Like Jurassic Park is really, to this day, an amazing uh, mix because mm-hmm. some of those wide shots were really amazing with the T-Rex. And then some of those close-ups on the Velociraptors and the T-Rex were real. Mm-hmm. And you know they're real. The lighting's real. The water dripping off them is real. Everything is real and you can tell you feel it so i think that that combination is really special i think they only had about five minutes altogether of cg dinosaurs in the first and the rest is um animatronics and yeah puppets and things yeah yeah a similar a similar vein to what you were just talking about then i know it's not stop motion but uh the dark crystal age of resistance Mm -hmm. again they only used cg to enhance what was there meant to puppets because Dark Crystal, didn't they? Oh, there we go. Dark Crystal, yeah, huge, huge inspiration for me as a young person. Myself too. Yeah, I I was so 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 uh, excited and driven by the artwork in that. Jim Henson stuff, obviously through the eighties, was was massive. 
Yeah, sorry about the wiggling. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> right. so, uh, something that I wanted to bring up, uh, I'm trying to think of how to word it with questions, because you do a lot of reference footage um, yeah. and your stunts and things. Yeah. Is, uh, and also a term that, to be honest, I haven't heard of in stop motion, it was blocking. Yes. Uh, I knew that you could do key poses in 2D. So just about what the importance of reference footage and practice shots are, even in stop motion as well as just. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting. I'm doing an episode on my channel about reference right now, uh, mm -hmm. as far as like, I'm writing it. And like, so there's so, there's such a, a wild range of like, in my CG work, I use reference all the time. Everyone at work does, uh, pretty much across the board. It's just the standard way you approach um, getting a shot done. But the way I do it is I'll use the reference to get me the idea, the poses, some of the timing information, and then you try to go beyond that. That's mm -hmm. what an animator does, right? Like they exaggerate the timing, they exaggerate the poses, the spacing of things. Like everything goes beyond that reference. And one of the things I hate about stop motion what i'm seeing in a lot of cases is that the reference the video reference that people are using is looking like rotoscope you know what i mean and rotoscope is not why you use reference and i think it's it's a technical skill that you know is it is it takes time to figure that out and learn it and, and it's hard but it's not an artistic skill so when i see people uh in the professional ranks as well as uh you know through internet and stuff like that when they're using so much reference that they're basically just copying it uh mm -hmm. frame for frame pose for pose time for time i'm just like who cares i'm sorry i'm like who cares this is so boring or what would you do like if you didn't have that video reference that's what i want to know right you would fall flat on your face that's the, the serious part of it is you would fall flat, flat on your face because you're not using your imagination. You're not using your natural timing, understanding of 24 frames per second, whatever rate you're working at to how many frames something takes. You're not exaggerating the same. There's so many skills that an animator needs that I feel like it's a big crutch. And I'm seeing it on so many people where I'm like, whoa, like, they don't know what to do as soon as they can't have video there to tell them what to do. So I really, with my students and stuff like that, I try to say, okay, use the reference, check it out, study it and move on. You know what I mean? And move on and like make thumbnails, make notes. You can say, here's some little timing notes, anything you can, and then go beyond it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and when you're blocking a shot, like very often in uh, feature film is where you mainly block because you have time to block. Uh, you you go through and you put in the key poses. You'll put in uh, breakdowns, uh, you know, your extremes and stuff like that. And what you do is after you have a block, throw your reference away, right? Mm -hmm. And just think of your block, which is just your keys, right? And say, okay, now this is what it is. Adjust my timing push this pose, you know, you're going to get notes from a director and then you adjust and adjust and adjust. Uh, but if you're not, like I said, if you don't have the ability to block, which is most people that work at home don't always have the ability to block because, or in television, because it has to happen so fast, you know, like just all I'm saying is don't become a, don't let that become a crutch, which I've mm. seen a lot of. 
and when I see amazing referenced animation online, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. It just is a person wearing a puppet suit. It's rotoscoped. I don't care. That's that's. There's nothing artistic that person's telling me except that they're technically good at copying a video. You know, it's like with the characters that are usually character character. I'm trying to think of the word now. Characterized anyway. So yeah. if something's realistic, yeah, it's yeah, a bit, it's a weird balance. It's the un, uncanny valley thing, isn't it? The, yes, absolutely. To me, it is like. And I know I, 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 this opinion of mine is very strong. And every time I talk to someone, I always feel a little bad because I know so many people that are amazing animators, but their work just looks like, uh, you know, like a person wearing a puppet suit. That's all I ever say. It's like, I'm like, it's, that looks like you could have put motion capture onto a person in, in a cartoon suit or, you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird. And then why, when you have a design that's so so exaggerated, uh, would you ever try to do super realistic animation? You know, uh, we've got a couple of questions in the, in the comments. So we've got uh, Nikki is asking, "What is your view on stop motion features from the likes of Ardman and Leica?" Well, you've actually uh, worked at Leica, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've worked on a few films at Leica, um, and I've worked on films at other studios too. So. Yeah. Ardman, of course, is awesome. I, I've never worked there. Maybe I will someday. I love Ardman. And because they're they're really, I think, capturing charm in so much of what they do and really not leaving, getting too far from, from caricature, like you said, in not just respecting some of the designs. And I know a lot of the animators that Ardman use reference to but there's still something that's a little bit more exaggerated about some of the work that I really like. Mm. Um, Leica, it's the top of the mountain. I always call it the top of the mountain. It's so much money there for making films, right? Because which is pretty rare for stop motion. Really, really incredible animators working at a very high level of acting and performance. Uh, but they're, I am feeling they're moving further and further away from what I like. If you mm. watch Coraline, is still my favorite Leica film. It was amazing. When I saw the animation in Coraline, I was like, wow, that's so inspiring and so good. But it still felt like stop motion. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I go back, I watch Coraline all the time. It still has enough imperfections. It still yeah. has enough hints that this medium is real. And if you watch like the latest one, Missing Link, it just is it, it what why it looks like like a CG film. It looks like yeah. a CG film. And I'm like, why are you trying to capture CG? Why mm. why are you trying to do that? I will I'm I'm never gonna watch Missing Link a hundred times like I watched Coraline a hundred times. It just feels like rotoscoped work. In a mm. lot of cases, glossy, sugary CG backgrounds, mm. uh, CG uh, characters, like side oh. characters, um, and then like just a, a general gloss over the actual photography. Mm. And it's too perfect. It's too perfect. And I and there's enough CG. I'm tired of CG. It, it gives me cavities. There's too much of it out there. And I'm like, I want, I want, you know, like a Celsius. Handmade, handcrafted, handmade, handcrafted, and then it's like well, you're, you're moving further from that every second. Yeah. And and I, I and there's so much talent, man. At like yeah. there's so much talent that it, it just kind of makes me sad that they're pushing that far, especially with like those designs. Those designs were really cartoony, 
you know, push mm. character designs and missing link. So, uh, you know, like, I think it's been a great, a great nation. And mm. the way it is, is Leica pushes the boundaries. They're like, these are the stories we wanted to tell. We don't want anyone to tell us. So we can't tell them. Uh, they've been selecting animators that are really good at reference, uh, at recreating reference. So that that I hope they come around at some point and get bored with it. They're like, okay, now we're going to try something different. So that's what I think. They're all super talented, amazing places. But I I will watch. I'm I'm really excited about the new films that are coming out from Wendell and Wild, which I got to help out on, and from Pinocchio, which I got to help out on. From yes. Guillermo del Toro. So oh, fantastic. Henry Selick and and Guillermo del Toro are doing stop motion. And they're not just doing stop motion, they're doing stop motion that looks like stop motion. And that's I, going straight to Netflix. So I think yeah. it's gonna be awesome. Oh, fantastic. I really can't wait for Pinocchio because I've I saw pictures of the designs what feels like years ago. Yeah. And I yeah. just kept thinking, have I missed out on this yet? Because <laughs> I haven't yeah, seen yeah. anything else more. So yeah. I'm really yeah, happy to hear more about that at the moment. Yeah, it died for about five years. The, oh, okay, yeah. The film wasn't going to get made, and then when Del Toro won the Oscar, uh, it got rebooted. Basically, fantastic. So, oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot yeah. wait. Yeah, I just I just worked on it. It was uh, it's awesome. It's so cool. It's so cool. Fantastic. Uh, sorry, we got another couple of questions. So Nikki uh, as well is asking, when you get to work on one of the cinematics for Blizzard, how much creative freedom are you given to play with? Uh, a lot, a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have, you know, there's storyboards and then there's an anim, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, previs in CG, it's called previs, right? Mm. And what that is, is it's a three dimensional, low quality blocking of layout in, in CG. So the, one of the previs artists goes through and puts the characters in the position that they're going to be in with a camera, moving camera like floating characters to show the animator before they start kind of the framing mm. of, that the director wants. And once the director buys off on the previs, then it's up to us. And at that point, every director is different, right? Like you, uh, you respect the, the points of the shot that need to be respected, meaning like, uh, okay, they want to see this action or they want to see uh, a certain framing, a composition that they bought off on. But, you know, there's a lot of acting choices that you can make that are completely your own. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, sometimes choreography that you can create a little bit of, which is awesome. And, and sometimes while the, the project is developing, like we do a lot of live action shooting to inform the storyboards or to inform the previs. So if we're sitting there and we choreograph a big fight scene, they can take that and then put that, you know, through previs or through storyboards. So they have an idea of poses and then they can frame everything to make it up. But in the acting elements, when we get a shot and it's a really emotional scene or whatever the situation is, we really, really get to create that performance ourselves. Fantastic. Uh, we've got another question. So Steve is asking what your favorite Ray Harryhausen sequence is. Oh my gosh, that is so freaking hard to answer, man. I, I, you know, I've been watching, I, I'm watching constantly all this old stuff that inspires me. When I work in the garage, I always have something on from some old mm. movie that just inspires me. Valley of Guanji, mm. uh, which not a lot of 
people know that weren't from those days, the older film days, but that sequence when the dinosaur is being roped by the live action cowboys is really amazing. Like that is so amazing to see and like how they did all that with the ropes and how Harry Housen lined all that up with all that live action cowboys. I was like, I'm really amazed by that. But outside of that, as a young person, I was really, really affected by Medusa in Clash of the Titans and by Jason and the Argonauts with the, the skeleton fight is still goose bumping awesome. When those when those guys come out of the ground and slowly charge, ah, like oh man, that was and the music, everything lined up so powerfully in that. So one of those three, I'll say. I think uh, the skeletons is definitely up there for me. Uh, the Terry loss is another for myself, the big bronze statue. Yeah, just because yeah. it's, I think it's quite a good show of, as you say, with acting. Mm-hmm. through the puppet because you're not just doing a puppet it's a puppet of a yeah. statue coming yeah. to life it's yeah. all thought about everything's thought about with it yeah yeah, yeah. so so cool man so if i'm cool. right as well with the valley of guanji that scene that you said about the uh, i think he had a truck with a with an arm on it um that they were lassoed onto oh so, i didn't i didn't even know that i know i think they, i think they'd lassoed onto like a truck and he wow. was I never saw the the BTS on that one, the behind the scenes. Yeah. I was just really, uh, I think, just it, so blown away by all mm, the interaction between puppet. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, um, it makes it more amazing when you know how he animated as well. The way where he p- painted out the frames, because obviously yeah. the green screen or uh, things like that, is just phenomenal. But um, if you if you haven't seen it already, there's a, a film called Ray Harryhausen special effects. Oh Time. yeah. Yeah. I've seen it many times. Yes. Many times. Yes. Yeah. I've got, I've got that one. There's the special, it's like two movies in one. Cause then you've got the behind the scenes. It's even more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. There's, mm. there's an old box set too. Yeah. Uh, that, that I had an awesome special features bit in it too, that I would rewatch several times. Uh, yeah. You have to send me the, um, a link of what that is. Cause, um, okay. I've been trying to find, I saw a box set when I was like, I think I was in university and uh-huh. I saw the box set in a, in a shop and yeah. I haven't been able to find it since not even online. So I have no idea if it existed, but that sounds like the thing. Yeah, that's it. It, it was like it. maybe three or four of his films and then a yeah. nice, you know, hour or something documentary on, on him, which was great. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, oh, Steve says great answer. So uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You ever see the test footage for Ray Har- uh, Ray's attempt for War of the Worlds? Yes, yes, yeah, so yeah. That on that, um, yeah, definitely cool. Yeah, you, there's a lot of uh, you know unmade Harryhausen uh, pitches from back then too. That that uh, you know I have like three books on his stuff that was really you know with beautiful images and explanations and stories. But yeah, I love seeing all that and any of his stuff that like you know, the imagination of what he wanted to create and then being like, oh, too bad we didn't get that one. That would have been awesome. They're actually hoping to create one of his films that was not made. Um, it's on his Facebook page. People are voting for which ones they would have liked to have oh, seen. That's cool. And I'm hoping that that's a hint that they're going to um, hopefully create, try and create. And maybe that would be something Man. that you can get involved in with the... Oh, that would be so cool. That would be so cool. Be 
people that would yeah it only have to be done in that style it wouldn't be any right. other way would it? So. i definitely am going to be exploring that and i love you know me and my wife are making uh, a viking short film in our garage right mm-hmm. now while doing all these experiments <laughs> with all the other live action stuff so we are very excited fantastic yeah. Are, you, are you doing that a lot? I've noticed that you've done, uh, sorry, it's Dogonauts and I've forgotten the name of the dog now. Ger- sorry. Ger- Gerald's Gerald, last that's day. It. Yeah. Uh, Gerald's last day. Um, yeah. They were like in episodes. Is that the kind of thing you're doing now or is it a short film? Like uh, a- no, they're, they're all short films. I broke yeah. those up into episodes for internet because, okay. you know, the internet basically is, is fast food, right? Everybody yeah. wants something they can watch in three minutes and then move on. And that even three minutes nowadays for the young kids is like, this is an eternity. We want 15 <laughs> seconds, you know, like, so uh, getting someone to watch a 10 minute, 15 minute film is very rare. So everything's going on in, in bits uh, to, you know, kind of evolve with that until we can get a, a larger, you know, buy off on our film. Is the Viking film, uh, is that to do with the bit, the clips on, uh, you've done like the barrel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were just like uh, puppet tests. Yeah. When I was first getting the puppet to see how he moves and stuff. Yeah. It's really fantastic work. I've been using some of your videos uh, as a reference for the Animation Club. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And other things. Thank you. Um, so hopefully they've all been watching those and paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I we we're on our third character now that we are in the finishing stages of uh, sculpting and molding, uh, getting ready for that one. Fantastic, and um, yeah, I really like the style of your work as well. It's uh, oh, thanks. It's almost so because it's uh, your puppets are uh, like uh, the you make the proper armatures with these. Is it silicon? Yes, silicon is lately we've been doing silicon uh, bodies. Like we've mm-hmm. always used foam latex through most yeah. of my garage work. Uh, but recently we switched to silicone because it just looks so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now we know how to do it. You know, like everybody was advising us not to use silicone for the longest time, saying like if you're doing independent work, it, it's hard to animate, it rips, it's, you know, so mm-hmm. many issues. And then we just did it on our Overwatch uh, stop motion pieces that we created. And it it looked amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't ever want to go back. This is so good. It looks so, so clean and and professional, you know? And it's it's very flexible these days. Yeah. Yeah. There's more more variety of things, isn't there now? Like when you say, I mean, like I watch a couple of, YouTubers that use silicon to create molds and, and things, but there's massive amounts of stuff rather than just silicon. You've got a variety of different ones for different yeah. purposes. Yep. yep, exactly, exactly. And we're down here in, in California, you know, and, and we have access to all that stuff really easily. We would literally just drive to a store and be mm. able to find, you know, uh, every mold or silicone material, basically anything you need for puppet making, filmmaking. Brilliant. I'll have to look out for somewhere around here because I think here you need to either go online or look for somewhere a bit more specialized. Yeah. And that kind of thing. I've seen, again, YouTubers where they've, they're over in America and they have done that. They've gone around the corner and there's a shop with all, nothing but that kind of stuff in, which is quite lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I we definitely are aware of that. You know, my daughter's going to school in the UK 
in September. Oh. Uh, she's going to a, an art school. Well, she's going to Leeds, Leeds, England. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she's an artist as well. And she, uh, you know, we, we're interested at a certain point going over there and just living for a little bit. Maybe yeah. that's when I could get my chance to to work for Ardman or something. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. But the, uh, there's, uh, you know, she's a 2D artist and she's really, you know, there's a studio called Cartoon Saloon in Ireland. Oh, yes. Yeah. That she really likes. And, and, you know, we got to visit while we went to Ireland uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, we definitely, you know, we have these little fantasies of like, what if we went to Ireland and we opened a stop motion studio and we oh, just great. made a film for a few years later? And we're like, oh my god, that would be awesome. that would be awesome. And yeah. uh, I just I just quickly googled to see if it was the same one. I uh, cartoon slim, yeah, the ones that did the uh, Wolf Walkers, and yep. that's yeah, that was a phenomenal film. I loved that one. Yeah, and I, uh, all all of their stuff, I really really. Yeah. Like ever since Secret of the Kells, I was like, oh my gosh, this place is special. Yeah, I need to see more of their stuff. But Wolf Walkers, I saw on one of the online film festivals this year, I think. But that is, yeah, oh no, last year it was released, so it would have been last year. But yeah, an amazing film. Um, and their style is fantastic. Is that the kind of style that your daughter likes then? That yes, kind of very, TV? very, very similar in, in yeah. what she, she enjoys to create. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, if you, if you ever come over this uh, over to the UK, you're welcome here to. Oh, uh, we're, we're based in North Wales, so um, okay. yeah, not far from Ireland. If <laughs> I, right. I can't remember how far from Leeds we are, but yeah. <laughs> just a ferry ride from Ireland. Not got any more questions in there at the moment. Uh, do um, do I mean obviously you know the world is much smaller these days. Yeah. As far as like our uh, our our group, right? This little mm. subculture of stop motion. And it's really fascinating to me to, to think about like within our subgroup, like there's people like you that have reached out to me. I'm an American animator. Like you guys definitely have a club. Uh, I, are most of the people from Europe that, that are in this club? Um, so it's um, the club started off pretty small as um, uh, it's a, we're a community arts charity. So we're mo mostly sort of just the local area and there's exactly. about, when we were back at the center before covid and things it was about 20 odd young people getting involved um and then since it's gone online um the numbers i don't know how many people are tuning in but there's definitely been people tuning in from america and and various other places as well which has been quite cool yeah uh, that's, that's really cool um, yeah I, i've been trying to do live streams too like every friday night uh for mm -hmm. my own you know, uh, Instagram and like last week I tried one on, on YouTube live for the first yeah. time. And, uh, I'm definitely, you know, like, you know, I'm very much trying to, to understand and take advantage of social media. Yeah. I've found a lot of success on, on TikTok, And then, I mean, even Instagram, it's not like I'm a, you know, the rock or anything with a gajillion followers, but, but I definitely have a community that's pretty regularly watching and interacting. Mm. So, so it's really, really cool to see, uh, and then opportunity is coming to me and Shelly, my wife is my my also stop motion partner for jobs or or gigs and stuff like that that we can do out of our home studio. It's fantastic that you can, like you say, it's get, the world is sort of getting smaller for this kind yeah. of thing, which is a good thing because it means more people are getting 
connected. I mean, just from doing these Q and A's, reaching out to people, I've made quite a, a nice contact, and everyone has been so approachable. And as you say, well, I've I've contacted a few people over in America. Uh, Randy Boyan is an animator yeah. over there. That I've done a Q and A with him, and um, Rianne Lohman. She direct. Uh, she's a director of uh, Corby Animations, which is her own little studio. That's um, cool. she's, been doing that for about two or three years now i think it is um she was the first q a guest we had and that was someone from over in america so i was very very amazed that i yeah, managed to get across awesome it's, and it's great and uh, also as you say about Ardman, i'm we have merlin who's their creative director he's going to be doing a q a with us at the end of the month uh, and i'm uh, in regular conversation with their uh, uh Jim Parkin, he's a senior uh, model maker over there, or, or was. I can't remember if he still is the senior model maker, but that was one of his roles over there. Right so just being able to get in contact with the people in the industry has been really uh, I yeah. fantastic. And it's amazing that everyone's so approachable as well. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah and I, I think there definitely is something about that, like for me specifically, too. Uh, I went so many years with no one like a tiny, tiny subset of human beings being able to connect about monster movies mm. or Fangoria or whatever, creature effects, anything that was really, uh, you know, there was no way to meet these people back then, right? So, mm. and, and then now that the world has opened up so much, I think, you know, younger people, you know, take it for granted, but for the older people, it's just like, oh my God, I got people that are like us, you know, and we can talk to them and, and share our passion for this thing we do, you know? It's really cool. Uh, oh, we've got another question. Let me see. So have you seen any of these reanimated projects online? So I think there's an episode of The Simpsons redone by different animators, shot uh, to shot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't, I don't think I've seen maybe that one, but I remember, you know, there was a few studios out here that did stop motion versions of the Simpsons intro, for instance, and I think that was... I think it was stupid buddies out here in california but no i haven't seen a bunch of them let's see here simpsons maybe that's an example as well because i know of have you heard of a series called bob's burgers yes yes uh, there's an episode where they have every few frames is a different animation style oh wow oh yeah uh, or is that like every few seconds or few scenes there's a small snippet of stop motion in there, but uh, a lot of it's just different styles, which is quite crazy. Um, I'll have to watch that one again soon. But no, yeah. I have to be... oh, there, there was an episode of The Simpsons that was done in Lego, if, I, if I'm right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's, that is pretty cool to uh, see things in a different medium, especially stop motion. Stop motion is always a fun yeah. oh, way yeah. of seeing things because it breaks it into a 3D yeah, exactly, man. And and as she says, well, with it being three, because you obviously get CG and stop motion, but stop motion gives it more texture. It's you real. get realistic lighting and everything. It's, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, it's real. It's it yeah. like as amazing as CG is. Yeah, it's not real, and yeah. we know it. We know it's not real when we look at it. The best CG is still like. There's just the disconnect, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you can tell that's not really there. Yeah, and it's uh, it's also quite amazing to imagine that they've as, uh, come in full circle now, um, that 
uh, Leica have managed to make stop motion look like CG. That's uh, quite an impressive thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for the wrong reasons, but it's a quite impressive thing to have made something that is so real look. Yeah. So real. It's, I, uh, I think, you know, when I, when I think about the process of Leica going that direction, I think it was a few things. I think they're trying to compete with CG, right? Because mm -hmm. CG makes money, right? And they're like, okay, the general audience of stop motion is very niche, right? And then mm -hmm. it's niche. And if they're, uh, if they are, uh, people are going to get turned off if it's not perfect, right? If things are uh, shaking or wiggly or whatever, then people might not want to watch it for, for an hour and a half. Uh, and then also they're pushing their performance, right? And they're like, okay, we want to make it as perfect as possible. But really what's happening is people still aren't going to see the movies. And I think a certain per part of the population can't even tell that it's anything. They just have no general animation knowledge at all. They think, they think what I do is drawn sometimes, you know, like stop motion or CG. They're like, how do you draw on the computer? They don't really know. It, and it really, in the end, it's all about the story. The story is all that matters. And if that's awesome, then people will respond in the same way. But so I think the general chasing was was to try to compete with CG mm. and almost like full audiences into thinking it was CG in a little way. It, yeah. As you say, it loses the charm. I, I found yeah. that with Wallace and Gromit. Um, yeah. The original Wallace and Gromit episode, A Grand Day Out, I love the amount of detail thought about that. The initial shots where they've zoomed in on the coffee tray and it's got coffee stains on it uh -huh. and things like that. And just the grittiness of that is, is phenomenal. And then you look at the, one of their latest episodes, a matter of loaf and death. And yeah. although it is great, yeah. there's something about it. That's very, yeah. They've lost the grittiness almost. in it. Yeah. I yeah. Think. It, it's true. Like I, I, I feel the same way as much as I loved loaf and death as well. I think it's because obviously Grand Day Out was clay. Mm. It was clay. Yes. And the more of these that have gone on, there's less clay outside of the faces now and maybe some of the hands. The bodies are becoming uh, more rigid and pretend clay, right? Because they're like using yeah. foam or silicone now, which is getting really clean. And even like more plastic replacement faces like in Pirates. Yeah. or some of the other films, which starts to lose that imperfection, move mm. further away from the real sensation of clay. So, yeah, I think that comes through. It just gets too clean, plain and simple. Yeah. It just becomes too refined. Mm. And it's it's the same way with CG happening sometimes with creating things too clean. So the uh, another example with Argument, again, not to put them down, yeah. is when they did uh, Flushed Away. Yeah, um, it's their style. Yeah, but in CG, and you lose the thumb marks, you lose the yeah the the real texture and the real lighting, and and everything's got like an ambient yeah sort of thing to it. And it's it's yeah, it just cleans it up, but not in yeah. a in a good way. Yeah, and to get CG right, unless it's really stylized, to get it to look right, you have to put a lot more work into it. Eh? Mm -hmm. Back, again, back to Jurassic Park was yeah. the original one had only had five minutes of concentrated animation. Mm -hmm. Lost the Jurassic World, everything's 
CG, and if it's not CG, somehow it still looks CG. And right, right, because they put that layer over it, like yeah. the compositing layer. So mm. one of the things that they've been doing to try to make CG seem more uh, integrated yeah. is they do a layer over the, all the live action footage, which makes the live action footage have a similar cake mix. Mm as the CG stuff to try to make, it's kind of like in Lord of the Rings. Like if you watch Lord of the Rings, any of those movies, they all have this kind of blue kind of haze. Mm. It's like this, this layer over all the live action footage that makes it instantly feel treated. It's a mm. treatment so that it, it all helps it stay integrated with the, the CG. Uh, and, I, and I understand where that, that comes from and it's really smart thing to do. But um, but again, it just makes it all feel CG. Like this is manipulated. I just love my old 1980s camera and lights. You mm. know what I mean? This is lights and camera. This is film. This is on the beach in Jaws. This is ET in the forest. This mm -hmm. is in a neighborhood. You know, in 1980s, you know, Steven Spielberg film or something like that. You you feel. The, the magic, you know, there's mm. a, it's, it's in camera, it's in camera. And it's, uh, uh, Ray Harry, uh, not Ray Harryhausen. Sorry, going off on one there. Um, so, uh, Barry Purvis is another animator that I've done a Q and A with and he, oh, and I can't remember if it was in his Q and A or in another conversation with him, the, the way that CG as well doesn't trick the mind as much is that your mind can say that nah, no that's not real so if there's ten thousand people in an army yeah. stood there your brain now goes they've not got ten thousand people yeah back, yep. back in the old uh previous films they had to have that many people yeah. if they were that many people it's insane i just i just was watching cleopatra the other day again yeah. or, or lawrence of arabia and you see those crowds and how many people on a horseback and how many, yeah. you know, people working as slaves on the Egyptian pyramids or something like that. It's like, holy crap. They had to organize that and shoot it. And like, what a day, you know, uh, uh, to make that happen. Yeah. And it's true. Like you said, everyone does that. And it's so no, you don't even register that you're doing that as a yeah. film viewer. Right. But you're sitting there, you're watching a film, it's a war scene, and you're like, that's not real, even though I'm tracking the story. That's not real. Even though I'm tracking the story, your brain goes, click, yeah, phony. Click, phony. Hmm. Um, oh, uh, Nikki saying thank you for asking, uh, answering our questions here today. My pleasure. Fantastic. And what time? Oh, it's 10 to, 10 to 6. I'll, uh, we can wrap this up a bit now, I think. Um, and, and let you get on with your day as soon as um, for, for those who didn't realize you're over there, your, your day's beginning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, first thing in the morning, my dog's first back. Morning, Q and A. <laughs> first thing you want when you wake up, lots of questions. That's it. <laughs> I love stop motion, man. I, I love that we're, we're looking at do, doing more things with animation here uh, at tape. I've been doing a lot of little projects and we're hoping to expand on things. So hopefully there'll be a lot more work in that coming along and yeah i'll get more chance to play with plasticine and, and awesome. create some characters but yeah it was it was really really nice chatting to you and um thank you for answering questions so early in the morning and 
Hopefully we can chat to you again sometime as well. Um, uh, we'll try and arrange something another time in, in future if you're up for it. Yeah, sure, of course, uh, man. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, one thing I'd like to say is yeah. any of you guys in the audience, if you don't follow me so far, my oh, yeah. my, my Instagram is Justin underscore official. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin underscore Rosh, which is my last name, R-A-S-C-H underscore official. That's my Instagram. And I have a YouTube channel, uh, yeah. which is just Justin Rosh Animation. Cool. Uh, so please check that out. Yeah, I think we might have shared uh, shared it on the page, but if not, I will share them oh, some awesome. more on there as well. Thank you, thank um, you. But yeah, and we'll yeah we'll keep following and sharing and, and chatting and things. So yeah, thank you, awesome. And for anybody watching as well, so so next week we have a Q and A another Q and A guest on Thursday from four to five uh, UK time for anyone that's watching outside. Um, we have uh, Sarah Ann Kennedy who is. She's a director and writer, but she is also mainly known as a voice actor from, uh, she's Mrs. Rabbit in Peppa Pig uh, and Nanny Plum in Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom. But yeah, no, she's going to be great. Uh, she'll be joining us yeah, next week. And then we're also having Noah, who is our new um, animation assistant. They'll be joining in to co-host that one. So um, yeah, so you can tune into that one. And thank you again to Justin. I'll I'll end the live broadcast and we'll still be here for a second. So right on. Um, bye, bye everyone. See ya. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this QA podcast. We would like to thank Justin Rash for speaking to us and the Animation Club for their hard work. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>